Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle on my podcast house. My name is Welshy. Usually Tony would introduce the show, but I don't know where the hell he is. I'm joined by Lyle. Welcome back, Lyle. Oh, I didn't realise I'd had a job and you've uh, told me to come in in the last minute to replace Tony. So like, where have does you that been? mean I've got my job back? Where have you been? I went on a family holiday to Singapore and Malaysia. So You missed two episodes. Yeah, well, I didn't realise you were going to double up on me like that, but, you know, a little bit of a foreshadowing. Uh, well, Tony's not here, so at least I can throw him under the bus as much as he did me on social media all week while I was enjoying family time. Yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, so, support us, like us on iTunes, uh, subscribe, leave reviews, all that jazz, that helps. Um, did you catch our episodes while you were away, gallivanting? Uh- Oh, I did get a lot of feedback about it, actually. I, uh, people were tagging me in a lot. Really good feedback. It, it was. had nothing to do with the guests. People just liked the fact that you weren't here. Oh. <laughs> I did uh, Did Tony pay for that ad to replace me? Because that, that come up a lot. Um, Zip recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> I figured he just would have went through your uh, shoot business, but no. It was, uh, uh, it was a really fun... It was a fun uh, episode, actually. Yeah, we had Mikey J and Rhea on last week. If you haven't heard, I'll go back and listen to that. Mikey um, was pretty open and honest about his thoughts on the Australian industry, where he thinks it should go, how it could go, um, and I learn a lot. Yeah, and he, he he wasn't shy to point out the uh, where people are going wrong as well. So, yeah, it was a really is. good listen. He never is. <laughs> and obviously we had Rhea as well, uh, replacing you, and um, she was fantastic. Well, you've never said I'm fantastic, so that's a win for the podcast. I will say it as soon as you are. (laughs) And we had the bonus episode as well uh, with Eric Bischoff. Oh, yeah. So a little bit of uh, personal jealousy, but, you know, as a collective, the podcast did well. So a little bit disappointing I wasn't there for that, but no, you guys did well. So we may have another big international to announce in the next week or so. So... You'll out, you, we'll let you come along for that one. Oh, thanks for that. I don't have uh, any more holidays coming up soon. And we have an international guest tonight yeah, we do, actually. as well. Um, do you want to introduce him? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, he goes by a lot of names, actually. Uh, even <laughs> more over the recently, la- yeah, more recently, uh, Big Trees Thick or Giant <laughs> Tree, uh, Slade Mercer. How, how are you going, Max mate? Damage. Ma- ma- <laughs> uh, the man of many monikers. That's me. All right. Uh, I'm well, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, you know, yeah, you were about to say you've got uh, an international guest coming in. I'm like, mate, I'm set. 
right here. <laughs> uh, I got there. I got there. <laughs> but no, yeah, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. Always a pleasure to come and chat with you. I've literally done no uh, prep for this interview because I feel like we're mates, so I can just uh, we can just chat. I like that. I much prefer the freestyle, though. You'll have to rein me in if I get too ranty. I do tend to drag on a yeah, lot. The of more bit. you talk, the less we have to. It's a, <laughs> a bonus for us. And I'll, I'll, as long as you're not writing strongly worded letters at the end of the interview. <laughs> no, uh, and I'll also do my best to keep my uh, French in check. No, that's all right. You can fucking swear. <laughs> Tony's not here. He, uh, even now, he's here. He's, he sits there with a shock look on his face. And we, we, we just move on. Just just remember, we've had Jimmy Havoc on. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and he said all of the words. Yeah, no, he did. All uh, of the words. You know what? The, Jimmy's excellent. And as a uh, master of the English language, I'm sure it was, it was beautifully said. <laughs> yes. Well, I missed out on that interview. So we paid Lyle back last week. Um, you've just returned from Japan and working for All Japan, it's not the first time you've gone over, but how did this booking come about this time? So there was initial talk late last year with me and my agent and promoter in Japan uh, about bringing me over for the All Japan Real World Tag League, which is their big uh, round-robin tag team tournament that they have uh, in the later parts of the year in November. So there was initial talks about that late last year, but that didn't come to fruition, so that is what it is. Uh, and then they contacted me in January saying the intention, initial plan was to have me over for the Champions Carnival, to have, have me be part of it. So they were talking about that, and it was looking like the entire month of April. Things change, as wrestling things do, uh, and it boiled down to an offer of six shows during the early part of the tour. Uh, we went from Tokyo all the way down to the bottom part, Osaka, Fukuoka, and then work our way back up. Um, so it was through All Japan reaching out, wanting me to come back. So, yeah, that's how this one came around. And how, how was the whole experience? So you had this, the six uh, wrestling shows. How long were you actually in Japan for? So this time around, I was there for about 14 days. Um, traditionally, I would also work a Land's End show in amongst it too, uh, but they weren't running at the time. So in Japan, Land's End Professional Wrestling is one of the smaller independent companies. They run in Tokyo, and they use a lot of freelance wrestlers as well as various guys from various companies because the promoter uh, has a good relationship with a lot of guys throughout the industry. So you'll see guys there from All Japan, from Dragon Gate, from various companies, and they run shows every couple months, so they're not like a frequently running uh, promotion in that way. They don't run every month. Um, and so when I go to Japan, I'm considered a Land's End wrestler. So I'm there representing Land's End when I'm at All Japan. Land's End is not not necessarily a faction in All Japan. They do have teams and factions there, but it's sort of like a, I don't know, almost like a sister promotion. Yeah. So anytime that I'm billed at All Japan, it's billed as a Land's End wrestler. Um, and it was awesome. It was great. So this time around... Uh, like I said, we were on tour from Tokyo and we worked our way down. So shows in uh, Matsue, show in Hiroshima, uh, Fukushima, uh, Fukuoka, and then two in Osaka. And of course, Fukushima is not quite as close to the 
plant is what it would sound. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because of those places I listed, the two that really stuck out for me were Hiroshima and Fukushima because I wanted to, I guess, see any kind of historical things that would be in Hiroshima post the World War II um, bombings that occurred. And then Fukushima, from what I understand, they've actually only just opened up again for tourists and stuff in terms of, yeah, all of that nuclear plant stuff. Um, I didn't actually get to the World War II Museum in Hiroshima. Some of the boys went and turned out it was a bit boring. Um, don't say that. I'm going there in the end of the year. <laughs> well, uh, maybe just don't go to the um, maybe just don't go to the museum. Then maybe there's more interesting <laughs> things to do. So just a heads up. Uh, but yeah, like even in those places, like as we're on tour, so we're on the bus and we're going driving around, and some of the days were just travel days, just eight hour drives um, to get from one show to the next, staying in hotels, and then. And the chances that I got in the few hours that we would have spare in a day, like if we were in a town and we had a show in the afternoon, we would have the morning to ourselves. So in that instance, say me and a few of the other foreigners or gaijin, we would go and maybe go out somewhere for breakfast or try and find a gym nearby. Or when I was in Matsui, me and uh, Joel Redman went and looked at Matsui Castle. So we made the most of, of the spare time that we get in between the shows. And if anyone was following you on social media, you did eat a... A lot of different food. Oh, it was man. making me hungry and making me miss yeah. Japan. <laughs> Just um, talk to us a little bit about the sponsors' dinners because that's not something that we have a lot of in Australia. It's a very uniquely Japanese wrestling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So and when I do explain it to people, it's it's not just a wrestling thing. It's It's a big Japanese cultural thing. If you compare, like if we just talk about Australian culture versus Japanese culture, uh, Japanese people are very, very giving. They're also very, very generous. Um, And they, by taking out wrestlers, it's a status symbol for them. It's something that they can then show their friends and their family and they go, oh, wow, like you were out for dinner with a wrestler. So um, I had a sponsored dinner on the very first day or sponsor lunch and then dinner with the same sponsor. Um, did you guys see the the advertisement I did for uh, yes. selling yes. houses? Bring that up. Yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> <Four> ceilings. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was the that was the gimmick of these houses, right? So we were in Nagoya, and my agent shuttles me around to this to this guy, and I meet this guy, and we end up filming, uh, taking a bunch of pictures in these uh, model houses. So he's building these houses in Nagoya, and the whole point of the house is that they're building the doorways taller and the ceilings higher for the growing Japanese population. So it was like, well, what else do we do but get like a super tall guy in there and like kind of showcase that? So yeah, so they brought me in, and then we went out for lunch and then dinner. And so they pay for everything. So uh, and you can order every every single one I've been to. They're like, please order whatever you like. If you want to drink, order beers, order whatever, like like no cost to us. And it's an Asian cultural thing, not just Japanese. I mean, even in other Asian countries, I know um, if you're not eating a lot of food, it's sort of an insult to the host. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big hosting thing. Like people take pride in hosting and being able to provide and, and you know, um, putting on a good time for everybody. So lunch and dinner that night uh, we went to Korean barbecue twice uh, for two separate sponsored dinners that one was at the beginning of the tour and then another one at the end of the tour 
And I think some of the some of the boys, I love them personally. Um, you mentioned like on my social media, there's nothing but pictures of food. I'm a massive foodie. So even prior to going to Japan, this being my third time and knowing I was going for a longer stint, I did a lot of like YouTube research. I did all this kind of stuff watching like- I wanted to get some of that off you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you some good bloggers and you can you can <laughs> see the stuff that they put out. So I was, I was eating my way through the 7-Elevens and the family marts. Um, and there were like I went to Osaka, so I made sure to have takoyaki because it's really popular there, and and one of their one of their big things. Um, and with the Korean barbecue, and with, and with a lot of Japanese food, I think a lot of other foreigners, in, in my experience, and with the speaking with some of them, like they're a bit standoffish with eating some of the stuff because they might not know what it is, or like as an example at Korean barbecue, the guys are ordering like. Uh, pig intestine and heart and things like that, and ninety nine percent of Western people would be put off by that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I'm in that ninety nine percent. Me personally, I don't mind, and I'll eat anything. Uh, and I think they find it a bit hard because obviously you're being taken out for food. They're paying. They're looking after you. And on the flip side, they're saying, "Please eat this," and you're like, "Oh." <laughs> so turning it down is kind of a faux pas. You don't want to do it. So I think some guys are. They run into that fear, but for me, uh, it doesn't bother me. I'll eat everything. Which would make you popular with the sponsors. Well, I mean, yeah, it works, <laughs> it works out well, right? Like the, the sponsor lunch, we went out for eel or unagi. Uh, even just the sound, just saying eel puts off a lot of people, but that was, that was beautiful, like um, some of the best I've had. And then, yeah, Korean barbecue, um, the, went out for ramen, went out for Os- uh, Osaka takoyaki and, and okonomiyaki and, yeah, the sponsored dinners are are a big perk of going to Japan. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, we toyed with the idea of taking wrestlers for dinner, but the first one we took was Gino, and we still haven't recovered from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your pocket hasn't recovered. Yeah. That's our <laughs> budget for the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the extensive on the turnbuckle budget. <laughs> the speaking of Gino, um, he's got one of your belts. Yeah, that motherfucker. Yep. So, yeah, it would be Slady 3 belts, and I would have a really sweet picture of it. And it's a pretty cool belt. I had my, uh, yeah, it's a great belt, but I don't fucking have it. So, like, Have you tried to get in contact with him? Have you written him a letter? You know what? Uh, he might not be able to read it. This is just it. If, if I'm going to write a letter, I may need to write it to his legal counsel from my legal counsel, go through the appropriate channels. I don't, I don't think it would be appropriate to just call him directly. You know, there are, there are ways and means to go about these things. Uh, We're talking about the Underworld title, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, Slade won the Underworld title. It hasn't aired yet, but it was um, at the last live show, and uh, it's been taken. Yeah, yeah, that fat piece of shit, Gambino. Uh, I wasn't going to – what are you laughing at? Uh, I wasn't going to – I told you I was going to try and maintain my French, but when it comes to talking about that second okay, So, yeah, he interrupted. He stole my title. And and the next Underworld show is coming up, and I can't wait to get my hands around his throat. If he decides to turn up, that's what I mean. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't turn up. So maybe me and Mark hop in a car and we go pay him a visit. How is Mark? Because he was in hospital uh, as a result of the, the cowardly attack from Gino. Yeah, you know what? The uh, It took him a little while to recover from that. I'm not sure which hurt worse, his neck or his ego. Um, but they uh, they can't fix your ego at the hospital. So he's been um, he's been... Working away, he's been in contact with me. Uh, I know he's got some big plans for the next show and, and uh, getting that Underworld Championship back. 
Well, yes, to bring about the end of all things. This, this is it. I mean, I, I don't really give a shit about that. Right. I just want another title for my for well, my you, trophy case. You earn more money when you've won more titles. This is it. And, and Slade Merce is all about the payday. That's it. I want as much money as possible. There's no reason why I shouldn't be getting paid for my services. I'm the best at what I do, and I get paid accordingly. And you're right. That Slady three belts does have a ring to it. Doesn't it? It sounds better than Slady two belts, I think. Yeah. Well, it's two and a half. Three titles. But only two belts. It's like you a th- want me to make you one. It's like a three with an asterisk. You yeah. just you know? get like one of your belts that you wear to hold up your just pants. Just a standard leather belt. And just stick something on it. Oh, just like big buckle with like a right underworld on it with like a correction pin, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You could have stolen the women's belt. Oh, it does look similar. Maybe I'll just get a buy a belt on the internet, and put some stickers on it. <laughs> could yeah. have done what uh, WWF had to do. They had to picture laid out when the WCW belt come over. You can just. Cover it up and put there. I could put anything on and pixelate it to make yeah. it look like a wrestling belt. <laughs> we belts. Yeah, if we go in that direction. <laughs> Talk about the other belts that you've got at the moment. Um, one of them's over in South Australia. Correct. Uh, do you want, that's a new that's a new promotion. Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Yeah, so Australian Wrestling Revolution, yeah, based out of Adelaide. They contacted me mid last year and took a little while for them to get off the ground, but now they're up and running. Adelaide's a funny state. Or oh, sorry, Adelaide. Well, South Australia, but I mean most of the wrestling's in Adelaide. Yeah, um, it's a very interesting area when it comes to the wrestling because, and I say this to guys because you don't really know what it's like till you get there. You can see it on the internet and think, oh, this state sucks or this area is really good or whatever. But until you get in there and start to see it for yourself and really understand the dynamics and and the relationships and stuff, it's hard to appreciate. So in Adelaide, you've obviously got Wrestle Rampage and you've also got uh, right City Wrestling, two very big powerhouses as far as wrestling is concerned in Adelaide. Below that, you've then got companies like ACW. Uh, you've also got um, the you've got Iron Fist that would fall under there too. Uh, and then now, yeah, uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, uh, and then also AWR. Um, and so AWR works with some of the guys um, from the other companies. Riot City. Uh, self-contained as well as Wrestle Rampage, but AWR is able to take advantage of all the other guys because they're trying to, I guess, a lot of states when I've gone into state and talked to guys and they all just see what goes on down here in Melbourne and they go, why can't we be like that? How does that even work yeah. like that? ACW are big on that as well, Yeah, um, which is good. That's what Adelaide needs. It's, I think it's for me it's the natural step and I get why people don't, want it that way i can totally understand from a promoter's perspective why it's not conducive to their business but as far as creating a wrestling scene and having a wide base of talent grow and get better it's the only way to do it by having in-house companies like that uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw i'll just like shoot off really quickly Shawn michaels did an interview like a, a week ago and i read the article and he was talking about the guys that come up through nxt now and how like everybody looks the same and wrestles the same because they've been taught the same way by the same guys and the guys that they're wrestling are the guys that they were training with two weeks ago and da 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 and it's the same in a closed system you can only ever have that um i think i talked about it even last time because it was only just as they were starting to get out but if you take a look at the the philip bros and you take a look at indy hartwell they came out of a closed circuit system where people barely knew who they were People inside of that company knew who they were and they were, knew they were good. And then all of a sudden they come out and it's like, wow, 
okay, now they've got a chance to grow and develop. And, and you look at the things that Indy's done and you look at the things that the Philip Bros have done and it's just a – it's – testament to what a system can do and, and how it can work and so yeah you're right acw want that to be like that awr wants it to be like that uh, and i'm excited to go over there and work for a company that's thinking that way and wants to be that way and 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 i'm proud that they chose me to be their first champion and the added bonus of spending more time with jake lindo oh i wouldn't say added bonus <laughs> uh more like contract contractual obligation <laughs> um Man, that guy, he, you know what, he's not a bad dude, but man, like, you, you just wanted to stop talking just <laughs> just sometimes, like, like. We love him to death, he's, personally. He's a great bloke, he's a top-notch guy, and I've had a lot of dumb situations and stories with him, but man, just like, you know the type of person where, like, you could be in silence, and like, I'm the type of, silence is fine for me, like, I don't feel awkward or weird, or you just sit silently. The amount of times I've been in a car with that dude, and it's just, everyone's quiet, and he has to just say something, <laughs> just anything, like, it could be about anything, or you're, like, doing impersonation, credit where credit's due, he's good at impersonations, but... Uh, Does he have a Slade Mercer? Oh, I'm sure he does. He hasn't tried it on me yet. I'm sure everyone. I reckon everyone's probably got a Slade Mercer. They just don't do it in front of me. Yeah, that's a car ride. You're not in. This is it. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, look at me. I'm Slade. Oh, oh, look, oh, I'm from New Zealand, and I put my hands in the air. Oh. I imagine that's what it would be. Uh, I'm missing a bell. Fuck Gino. And the third belt. Correct. So uh, the other championship I currently hold is the Warzone Heavyweight Championship right here in Victoria. Warzone wrestling been going for a very long time. And and I, I love Warzone too. Yes, yes. Oh, you choked me at Warzone. It didn't make the cut because I ruined the take. But um, <laughs> <laughs> funny story though. Like uh, Slade, you're one of the best, one of my favourite promos in, in Australian wrestling. Thank you. I appreciate and that. Uh, I was nervous as fuck going into to trying to impersonate Andy Coyne, basically. And he's in – you can't be Andy Coyne. No. He's in irreplaceable. And uh, I'm doing the interview with Slade Mercer, and I spoke to you, Lyle, right before I went in, and I said, I've just got this feeling that Slade will lay hands on me. And then the minute you did it, I must have smirked for a brief second because Mark Williamson, who was producing it, was furious because <laughs> it was such a good promo. And uh, I got Slade shaking me back and forth, having a go at me for questioning his integrity. Um, the second take was good too, but, yeah. And that time I was waiting for the for the hands around the neck, but they just didn't come. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate the comment about promos. I love that stuff and a lot of guys are scared by it like but man that's the that's the fun stuff you know and that's not to mention too it's it's your opportunity to get yourself over and tell stories that that the people who aren't at the shows and don't see the matches get to see you know that's the that's the line between the dots so um yeah no that was fun having you having you uh there for the promos and and being a part of the show did you how did you find being part of the show on that regard. I warmed up as the night went on. Um, I was lucky enough, like I, because I didn't know a lot of the guys backstage, but I was really lucky that you sort of took me under your wing for most of the night. And then Mark, uh, who I know pretty well, took care of me as well. So I sort of, I felt like I was in this little bubble getting looked after by you two. <laughs> and then um, then working, getting the opportunity to work with guys like Muhammad um, Ali Vaez, who's 
got one of the best wrestling minds. I think he doesn't get enough credit. Oh, man, he really doesn't. Um, he's he, putting together everyone's match. He he was taught by people that know. Uh, if, if you go back and you remember how many people went through the OVW school in those early 2000s, like that was the place to be. So not only was he learning from incredibly knowledgeable trainers, he was there working against Randy Orton, John Cena. Those guys were in his classes. He was working matches against them, you know. So in terms of how to structure a match, in terms of how to tell a story, in terms of psychology, and and even then extrapolating that to where a match should be on a card, having a card flow, having it crescendo at the main event, things like that, and that's the finer points of wrestling that, one, a lot of people don't know, two, a lot of people maybe don't bother to go out and learn. Yeah, and I felt really privileged to be there to see that sort of stuff um, that – you know, as a fan of the product, you don't really get that opportunity very often. And to see Muhammad there just um, saying, oh, no, you can't start hot because I know that the Slade and Pitbull match is going to start hot. He sort of really made that that night flow. And everyone said it was a really good show. I didn't get to watch it because I was backstage doing interviews the whole time. But everyone, the feedback from the crowd was really strong. And the Warzone's got a really loyal following out there. Warzone is doing great stuff. Um, the fan base that they've cultured and the the way that they've promote their shows and the way that they want to continue to do business, uh, I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I like for all the for all the heel promos and, and all that sort of stuff. Again. Um, proud to be their champion, proud to be able to be that flag bearer for them in that way. And, yeah, I, I really – Warzone exists in that southeast region where there's actually a fair amount of shows that run I mean, in – PCW. Yeah, um, not far away. Um, and BCW run not far away from there either. So in a pretty small, you know, half-hour sort of space, there's a lot of wrestling around there. So it's a hard market in the area, but – it's growing and, and they've got a yeah really loyal fan base at Warzone. The thing I, I want to know is obviously you two guys know each other pretty well now. That uh, come into play when you didn't help out Dowie when he was getting beat up? No when, comment. Yeah, that just seems a bit strange now that's coming out. You were looking after Slade, your man. You <laughs> yeah, I never, uh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, as soon as the baseball bat's coming, he... Well, she went to water. This is it. But that said, if someone came in with baseball bats now, I reckon I'd run as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you're on it. <laughs> um, yeah, but th- 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 you're working – you won the title off Dowie, and I feel like having you and Dowie promoing against each other is a really smart move at Warzone, and it must be a lot of fun for both you and he to work off each other like that. It is when you can work with somebody who – so for me and for promos, if we come back to that, like we get some direction. Again, Vyas is a very good producer and agent, so he knows the direction that he wants all of the shows to go in and the arcs and all that type of stuff. We don't get that much direction at a lot of other places. Most times the character direction or what you say is left up to yourself. So and even then like they'll give us a brief outline and then we just run with it as you saw you and I cut two promos together and the content of the first promo was different to the second albeit a similar theme you know and that's because I'll just riff I'm happy to get in front of a camera tell me 30 seconds and I'll riff for 30 seconds Dowie has that ability too not a lot of guys do so instead of us having to be given scripted promos or to write things out or to you know, say, oh, can I say this or can I say that? I'll go and cut my promo first. 
because I'm I'm the heel and I'm heavy and I'm hot. I'll go in there and I'll start chatting shit. I go and cut my promo, and then Dowie will watch me cut my promo and go, all right, cool, I've picked up the points I need to pick up from his promo, and he'll come in and rebut. We didn't have to write anything. I, there's nothing I can say that will put him off or throw him off, and he'll come in and he'll do his thing. So it does make for a really good combination for us. And again, also the different delivery style because you're more <laughs> slow and deliberate, and Dowie doesn't need a microphone. <laughs> and again that's you know that's that's a conscious decision to try and be different um because we've all watched those 80s wrestlers promos where everyone's just like screaming at the camera and you know yelling is cool and intimidating for about five seconds but like most people shut off you know like yelling is just blah, whatever um so i try to have a different delivery style and yeah it is a contrast and and again, credit to Ali Vaez. He had the idea to bring us together previously. We'd we'd done some stuff together at Warzone a few years ago, and now we're able to uh, do that again on a bigger stage and with more production around us. And yeah, and, and really go to it. Yes, and I mean, whispering worked for Jake the Snake, and he's one of the best promos ever. So this is just it, right? Like the the key for me with a promo is is engaging the camera. Because a lot of guys are scared to look at the camera. Even if you look at like WWE nowadays, nobody addresses the camera directly anymore. They're all stood at like a 45-degree angle and the cameras are fly on the wall and it's a lot easier for someone to just talk to another person, so they tend to do that style now. Uh, for me, that there's no art in that. That's just two people talking, right? Like The art to me is being able to deliver to a camera straight down the lens. Um, that's the stuff I enjoy. Because there's no feedback then. You've actually got to... Um Imagine the feedback. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's an it's a really simple thing that should be said at training really early on in the first piece. But you know, for all the people that are in the audience, let's say there's three hundred people in the audience, but there's two thousand potential people down the lens of that camera. So, including the people in the audience who are going to watch it prior to the next show. This is it. So, like, that's the people you need to sell. All the people in the in the crowd, they've already come to watch it. They're, you're going to bring them back with your work. The people at the end of the camera weren't there to see it, so they need to see something else. Do you think that's uh, what the Australian scene needs for the next step? More uh, guys and girls getting more comfortable in front of the camera with the promo work. Obviously, it's a big big part of the industry mm-hmm. um being able to sell yourself especially at the next work. level yeah it's a little bit um how do you say there's not enough experience going around to the other people to get that experience obviously you're comfortable doing it so it's just easy to put a camera in front of your face you know record what you need to is it more schools have to run more promo classes or you just got to teach yourself more reps yeah. I, th- I i agree with both points. I think, yes, schools need to teach it more, and yes, it's about more reps. Um, William Regal has an old saying about, like, stand in front of a mirror and cut a promo. And, like, as cheesy as that is, I did that. I did that in order to know what my face looks like when I'm talking and how my reactions look and when I'm smiling or when I'm angry. Because I think another aspect of cutting a promo is that someone will cut a promo and go, oh, I didn't like how I looked or I didn't like when I did this or did that. And so you have to learn how to control your facial muscles and and do those types of things and know that when I do this, this is how it looks. Um, In terms of people teaching it at schools, 
Um, I'll take the opportunity to mention Cracker Jack, and he's fantastic, and he does a lot of promo classes um, directly at the MCW school now, but I previously would do uh, seminars. He may even still do that outside. As someone, again, and Cracker Jack is a master of the promo, someone who can engage the audience, berate the audience. He can turn in whichever way he likes um, with a few sentences, and that that's a real skill. Um, and in terms of more reps, Yes, it also is just about repetition, about putting yourself out there. And I can understand if it's a weakness, if it's something that you're not comfortable doing. I mean, without even taking the wrestling into account, we're talking about now public speaking. A lot of people don't even just like public speaking on the whole, um, you know, or standing up. You know, that kind of causes anxiety in and of itself, let alone, okay, you have to be a character and we're trying to get you to get a certain point across and you have to do it in 30 seconds because we ain't got long. So um, practice at home. Practice at your schools, uh, and op- promoters need to give guys opportunities to get on the mic as well. Um, give the kids some clear direction. Tell them what you expect. Tell them the story you're trying to get across. And again, just like in a wrestling match, less is always more. Yeah, I could talk for three minutes and not get a point across, or I could talk for 30 seconds and, and hit every nail on the head. Yeah, and just remember, you're a character. It's not you. Um and they can always reshoot it. That's a huge one. Um, and that also, I've, I've mentioned that to a few people who get nervous about their physical performance when they're going out through the curtain. And yeah, I'll use that as a, um, you know, as an example. I'll say to them, you know, you're not so-and-so today, you're this character. So when you go out there, you don't you act like that character. You do the things like your character. Uh, when I'm out there and I go fully into character, I don't think about what I'm doing because what I'm doing is what Slade would be doing. It might not necessarily be what I would do as a person myself, but... I hope not. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> this is just that, right? That's, that's the question. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the way that's the way that I work. And I think if a lot of guys can get themselves into that mindset, that, that mentality, it'll help them for sure. Now, you had the opportunity to get in the ring with um, James Storm. Mm-hmm. recently yeah uh that was a big weekend and i want to talk a little bit about the promotion up there hunter valley wrestling because mm-hmm. they're making some they're making a big big steps towards trying to um trying to really improve what their product's been recently 100 percent. so um we mentioned adelaide and what the promotions are like there and and Newcastle was another place I get to go up to a lot. Hunter Valley, I've been with those guys now three or four years. Um, I think since their second ever show. There's some great workers in that company as well. Fantastic <clears throat> workers. Again, uh, like if we just talk about the Newcastle area, so not even Sydney, you know, like Newcastle, a couple hours um, you know, west. The You've got Newcastle Pro, you've got Hunter Valley Wrestling, and you've also got Suplex Wrestling in the last year. So three companies in Newcastle. I mean, like, uh, it just uh, begs belief, but that's what they've got going on. Um, and Hunter Valley's been – they've been doing their thing and, and they, they've got hungry guys and, and one big um, thing that the promotions manager do is make, some, make a star out of Tali. She's become – She's really good. She's fantastic. She's really great. And she's able to be a good um, – a good travelling interstate female wrestler, which there aren't a lot of. Um, and, yeah, with their last show, so that weekend I had three shows. It was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday I was in Adelaide for AWR, and then on the Saturday, which was my birthday as well, um, 
were to fly up to Newcastle, but they don't do Adelaide to Newcastle direct. <clears throat> so uh, I flew into Melbourne Airport at about 7 a.m. on the Saturday, mm-hmm. and then I stayed there for a few hours and then flew to Newcastle at about midday. Was it just you, or did you have anyone making the trip with you? Or uh, Actually, uh, it was Izzy Shaw. Okay. She, was, um, she wasn't She was on the Adelaide show, despite she lives in Adelaide, but she was booked on Newcastle. So, so just the claw travelling together? This is it. Yeah, uh, I believe um, she caught the same flight I did, and then when I got to the Melbourne airport, uh, Damien Slater and... Uh, Gavin McGavin were also ah, there. Awesome. So yeah, so we had a we had a good little group. But I mean, even there, like those names right there, we're talking about Hunter Valley trying to trying Some to push things. Some of the best workers things. in the country. Huge, especially when you get guys like Slater and McGavin and appreciate just how far Perth away is from everything. And you're seeing a lot more of these Perth guys coming across. And and I, I had a chat with them about it because like for me. Watching wrestling here in Australia, as well as even when I was back in New Zealand, EPW man, like the stuff they were putting out. I talked to them about a guy called Sebastian Sanders. I don't know if you ever remember Sebastian Sanders, but he was an EPW wrestler and he was a big unit and he was awesome. And so, like, they've got a ton of talent out there. Davis Storm is a fantastic trainer who was taught we by love, some of the We're best. in love with Davis Storm. What's yeah. not to love? Everyone's right? got a man crush on him. <laughs> um, and and but the problem is, Perth is what a six-hour flight. It's another. Right, yeah, and so like these guys are out there essentially on an island doing their the EPW's great, does great business, and they're producing, they've got a production line of amazing wrestlers who are going overseas. Like, they've they've produced people for New Japan and WWE. This is just it, so you can't deny the um, you know, deny their ability, but. For a promoter on the East Coast or even, you know, Victoria, that's it. It's like how do you justify paying way more on a flight and then match fee versus I've got a local guy and it's only a match fee or versus, say, another interstate guy locally where the flight's half as much. Yeah, well, this is it. Um, And so, yeah, with James Storm over, it was, yeah, it was a big weekend. And James Storm was fantastic. I heard he even helped take the ring apart. Is that true? Yeah, it's a true story. So... Um, yeah, yeah, which you'd never heard s- from you, so yeah, well, <laughs> well so <laughs> I, reliable uh, yeah, that's uh, did you see the he put a thing up on the on the internet and because of the uh, on Twitter and Instagram and because of the time difference, I didn't see it till I woke up. But what happened was he, um, we I wrestled with him and Slater on the Saturday night. What a fun match! Oh, it was great, it was a ton of fun. Um, and again, like obviously, like when you write that down on paper, it makes people go, oh. Oh, I need to see that, mm. and that's really what Hunter Valley's trying to trying to engage is that type of audience, as well as a really really solid Hunter Valley um, base. And then on the Sunday, it was me and Gavin McGavin one on one. And so on the Sunday, because it was a Sunday, and because uh, we've all got regular jobs on Mondays, the we all had to wrestle pretty early on, like first half, and then get in a car to get to the airport because they only run three flights out of Newcastle and the last flight is at like six or seven o'clock at night. So if I remember rightly, it was me, Damien Slater, Gavin McGavin and Adam Brooks. Uh, at We all had our matches in the first half and then shuttled off what to the airport. What a cracking before intermission. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. Like And, uh, and then that evening uh, is when they did the ring crew and all the boys were telling me, yeah, man, James Storm was awesome. Like he helped with the ring. Um which nobody nobody ever expects 
uh, out of an international uh, in this day and age, uh, especially coming all the way to Australia. Like I said it, I sent him a message, like a private message on Instagram. Him and I had been messaging earlier in the week talking about not necessarily just the match, but he wanted to get an idea of what the crowd was like, what the ring was like. Um, and so I sent him a message just thanking him, just saying like, hey man, like you didn't have to come out all this way and do all this stuff. And, and I mentioned that a lot of times, and it's understandable when an international comes out here, it's such a long flight. Um, and for like for James, I remember he said he had to go like Tennessee to Dallas, Fort Worth, and then Dallas. And it's not like he was going somewhere good. He was going to Newcastle. Right. Like it's like, yeah. Like, and then he would have had to go, like, even if he landed in Sydney, he either got another domestic from Sydney to Newcastle or someone drove him, right? Like, um, and so, yeah, he was top notch. I can't say nothing but nice things about the guy. And yeah, and then he went and put it on social media, and that was, that was fun. Did you get to the merch den at intermission or you just had to leave straight away no we had to pack up and go straight away man yeah no no merch on the sunday unfortunately but uh it is what it is i tried to make my money on the saturday and the and the friday try and sell some pre-show oh no you know i'm not that carny um sorry like like not not yet um yeah, the, the, I, I subscribe to the I don't want to go out till I've been out yeah, theory, yeah. right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah for JXT. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I mean, he, 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 it was a storyline for him to be out there in Underworld. Yeah, so it made sense. Um, but, yeah, like when you talk about that, it just reminds me of all the carny old guys I used to work, and they'd be out there out the front to the last second. And then as soon as intermission starts, they're out there to the last second. Like the match is secondary. I've seen to, promoters trying to force people to go backstage. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm not that carny. And I, I won't go out at intermission if I've not already been on either. So um, that's just me and how I like to do it. Um, we've got some listener questions that we uh, – and this one's come from an M. Williamson. <laughs> Um, sorry, no, you thought that was that gives away too much. Mark W. Um, <laughs> he wants to know about Queensland 2000 and circa 2007 mm-hmm. and a show with Smash X Wrestling. <laughs> oh man, uh, so 2000, Queensland 2007 uh, was my first sort of trip over. the The reason why I wanted to go to Queensland, if you remember at the time, is um, PWA Queensland were killing it. They brought Chris Hero over. They were doing the Rise of the Warriors tournaments. Everybody and anybody wanted to wrestle up there. So as me in New Zealand, I was thinking, yeah, I want to do the same. So I'd, I'd, I'd uh, now absolute best friends with Mason Childs. Um, we contacted each other on MySpace. There was he go. in your top friends? Uh, I believe he was. <laughs> I believe he was one of my top friends. I don't remember what song I had playing Him on my top. profile. <laughs> <laughs> Man, MySpace. And so I got in touch with him there and, and uh, he ended up bringing me over and, and, and then I eventually a few years later I ended up moving uh, from New Zealand to Queensland in order to progress my career. And that's when Smash X Wrestling comes into play. So uh, Smash X Wrestling was a brand new wrestling company started by a lady who had made her money, I, I think she was like a agent for... Um, 
for like models, but not like good models. Um, so like if Lyle and I were to taking our tops off and walking down a catwalk. No, nah, no, no. Even we're, worse, Tony. We're, yeah, like I'm to, uh, like <laughs> like People Magazine. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, I didn't really ask for details. She was like the, Picture Magazine. Yeah, stuff, yeah. I th- I don't think she was. Lyle still buys getting them with top his big M at lunchtime. <laughs> you get, uh, how does uh, uh, he drop? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of those. So at any rate, she'd made her money on on dirt rags like that, and then she got she found Mark, and Mark and her actually lived near each <laughs> of course other. She found Mark, yeah, right. Um, within a few streets of each other, they lived nearby. Uh, so Mark then gets in touch with me. He's like, "Hey man, I know you're moving over. I've got this new project, and it looked great." So Smash X Wrestling, it had. It's uh, a great name. It is a good name. Oh man, it it's doesn't like Shakur Glory X it, Pro Wrestling. Yeah, it's so two thousand. Very Malcolm Muhammad. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's seen his work on Twitter? Yeah, I can't imagine the promotion would go down too well with the current anti-Muslim sentiment in <laughs> Australia. Um, the oh. <laughs> the. So he's like selling me the company saying, so guys like Carlo Cannon are involved. Cracker Jack was involved. So the best wrestlers in the country at the time. At the time, 100%. So I'm like, yeah, I want to be a part of it. And the plan was for them to do an eight-man tournament on the first show. Um, There was something about – there seemed to be a really stuck point. There's something about like a rural fire brigade were going to come along or we were building, raising funds for that. I'm pretty sure it was just, you know, when they say it's a charity show so they don't have to pay taxes, I'm pretty sure it was one of those types of things. Beware, buyer beware, if you see a show advertised as a charity show. <laughs> um, and so the, the show ended up, uh, they got like a spot on national television and uh so i was like oh wow like this actually looks like it's going to be a thing and then we go through all the motions and we end up doing all the stuff and we run the show i worked uh i worked carlo and i I worked someone else as well i think i had two matches um carlo so that would have been a nice stiff match too man it was was fun it was fun with carlo and like um there's a photo floating around on Facebook and it gets shared like every year because we all just laugh about Smash X, like rest in peace, <laughs> Smash X. And it's a photo of like me, Cracker Jack, Carlo and Dubs in the locker room, like laughing about something, obviously drunk at that point because the show was terrible. Um, and, and your wallets were empty. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is it. They, all this, all these promises of pay that never, never came through. And I mean, it's, it was a good lesson to learn at that age. Um, in terms of like wrestling and how it works and and it served me well because it's happened plenty of times since (laughs) but the yeah like it was just all went tits up and and the crescendo to the entire drama because after it went it was a bad show that didn't draw and there was no money made so she just like ended up like uh doing the dash like pretending it never existed (laughs) Uh, not replying to any of Mark's calls or, or emails or, or whatever. And he's probably feeling responsible at this stage because he's dragged in the talent. Yeah, well, I mean, he was the he was the um, the gateway, you know. He knew all the boys and, and, yeah, he was pushing for all of us. I ended up getting some money transferred to my bank account, so I can't, like, Mark must have done something. I got some money transferred. Um, but uh, the piece de resistance was at the very end of it. I mentioned earlier that Mark and her lived nearby to one another. So, I mean, maybe he went around to her house and maybe he pulled his pants down and maybe he took a shit on her lawn. Maybe. <laughs> Doesn't this is all like the mark I know. No, I mean, this is all conjecture and, and you know, um, 
I would, I would, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like that, that might have happened right at the very Maybe end. That's of why everything. you got paid. Yeah, I, hey, I got my money right. So however it came about, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, Smash X Wrestling. Oh, well, there's a story. Lest we forget. <laughs> I can't wait to see that photo get you. <laughs> I've got one from Joel Bateman. Oh yes. Uh, what's more horrifying, the business end of a blackout from Kenta, or getting elbowed the dog shit out of by? Ishikawa. <laughs> so uh, Kento Miyahara, current triple crown champion of all Japan, um, him and I went toe-to-toe in one of the matches, uh, and his finish is a running knee, but he also does a um, like a CM Punk-style knee in the corner, and he got me pretty clean with that. Um, <laughs> so, so that was – and Ishikawa, Shuji Ishikawa, he's, um, he's one of their biggest guys, like if – we were talking about Japanese people and traditionally they're very short. He's he's six foot four as a Japanese bloke and he's about 135, 140 kilos. Dude's a big unit. Um, he, uh, If I was going to pick between who hit me hardest, I'd probably say Kento. Like, the, Ishikawa hits hard, don't get me wrong, um, but it's, it's, it's different. Whereas when Kento's throwing knees and they're coming at the point of your chin, like, that'll get you... Um, and he, him and I went, we went toe to toe and I believe it was my third match of the tour. Um, and with Shuji Ishikawa, him and I had a couple tussles through the tour. So, uh, yeah, points go to Kento in that regard. And the last one is from Brooke on Twitter, who wants to know what your favorite match of the Japan tour was. <sighs> so, um... I believe I was chatting to you about this, Lyle. Yes. Yeah. Um, you'd mess. He, Lyle was in touch with me while I was in Japan, and we were messaging back and forth on Instagram. Um, was he asking for private pics again? <laughs> uh, he was asking for pairs of socks. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty. Yeah, of course. Um, the in terms of the matches, I enjoyed all of them, um, and as the week went on, and as uh, the tour went on, I ended up doing more and more and more. In the fifth match of the tour, it was me, Takao Mori, and Black Mensore against Jun Akiyama, uh, Atsushi Mariyama, and I'm trying to remember the sixth bloke. Oh, it's, it's gone from the top of my head. He won't hear it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Jun Akiyama is the boss. Um, previously from Noah. If you go and, in fact, if you want a match recommendation, fans listening, go and look up Jun Akiyama uh, versus, what's the name? Oh, I forget the name of the guy. The name of the guy had to retire because of the headbutts. Shibata? Shibata. Go and look up Akiyama versus Shibata. Shibata was like a young boy in Noah, or I think he may have even been freelance. And just watching those two, like they destroy each other. So I definitely recommend going and watching that. Um, but yeah, he's he's the big boss. So to be opposite him in the ring, I know that he's watching everything I'm doing. Uh, and that match was the most fun I'd had in all of the matches on the tour. And I remember there was a spot in the match early on where I gave one of his team a body slam. And I think everybody enjoyed it. Like not just like my guys on my team, but I think they did too. And then a few moments later, they go into the heat spot for the match, and Akiyama just starts body slamming the tar out of my partner. Like he just grabs him, and like it, the way it'll work in Japan, and particularly in all Japan, is like they pace all of their stuff really well. So. 
a body slam on the outside means something. It's beautiful. Like, if I did it here, nobody would give us stuff except for the bloke who has to land on the basketball court on his back. <laughs> like, he's going to be pissed off. So, like, the heat spot was like he grabbed Mensore and he body slammed him like three times on the outside. And people are freaking out because they're like yelling and screaming. Then he grabs him, pulls him out into the audience where there's no matting, and then body slams him on the hard ground as well. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit mean. But uh, he was smiling and laughing his head off the whole time, Akiyama. So uh, I think that match was like one of my favorites, if only because I think it like it felt comfortable it felt easy like obviously there's always nerves and and also going into a company where i'm trying to impress everyone in the company and i don't speak the language and even with the boys trying to plan matches and organize things i don't speak the language so we're doing all that stuff best we can and so to go out there and to be able to just rely and fall back on my wrestling ability and have it come through like that was a really cool feeling um but then my last match of the tour was really really fun um so sorry that match with akiyama i believe was the bodyguard was the other guy because i had two matches though so it was both my osaka matches and then the the last osaka match was me yuma oyagi and yoshitatsu against bodyguard um koji iwamoto and jake lee and then me and bodyguard had got a heap of stuff together so um yeah, it's it's those those two matches would have been my favourites because oh, the Osaka crowd was awesome. Um, it's it's a big part of it, isn't it? It's a massive thing, and because of the way that they do their shows and their matches, and and the, again coming back to the way the Japanese fandom is and the way they are and treat wrestlers and stuff, it's so so awesome. Um, the very first show, the Nagoya show, I got streamers. That was one of those like, oh yeah. I could see that on your face. Japanese wrestling. I know. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to go back and watch it because I'm pretty sure, like, I'm like in character, super in character. And I was like, oh, streamers. <laughs> Yay. Playing Mirtha. I mean, give me a face human. here. You're only human. So, yeah. Um, uh, I think we, we mentioned it before, but like the Kuboku Fatoshi thing, um, because the name's Japanese and it translates roughly to giant tree, as you've found out, Lyle, from Google Translate and all the variations that can come with it. The When Japanese people, fans, see my name on cards, they assume that I'm a Japanese wrestler. Uh, even a guy like a few guys I met, as we go around on tour, all Japan will oftentimes pair up with a local company and have a couple of their boys on in the lower part of the show. Um because it's it's uh, prestigious, you know, to be aligned with All Japan, and there's a company that operate out of Fukuoka, and their guys were there, and their owner, he was there as well, but he used to wrestle, he doesn't anymore, his name's Azteca, and he was like, oh, I expected you to be Japanese, and then when I met you and you weren't, I was like, oh, I was shocked, and I think a lot of people had that initial reaction too, they would see the card and see a Japanese name, and then a, a gaijin or a foreigner walks out, and they go, oh, but then they're like, oh, no, this is cool. Like, this is all right. Like, he's really big, and, like, I can see why they call him Giant Tree, and, and we go from there. So I think it's um, it's a it's a blessing. Um, to I enjoy having a different name. People would be like, oh, I don't want a different name because it affects my brand, or, like, people don't, eh, what, it's, it's nothing like that. Like, I actually get to put a Japanese name on my Twitter and Instagram, and it's not me just being a, you know, and, every, and the old guy, like when Jer- Jericho wrestled under a different name in Japan, like it's not a new thing. No, and for me, I consider it, um, you know, like it's an honour. They want they gave me a different name. I can go over there and perform um, as a different character. Uh, I still do the hands because it's all I got. 
Um, <laughs> but but like I got new gear made and like to the point where like the boys out the back, so uh, the other foreigners, so it was guys like Joel Redman, um, Sam Adonis, if you've heard of him. Yeah. Um, it's Corey Graves' brother, isn't it? He is Corey. Uh, and he hates that, by the way. <laughs> he hates that. Every time someone goes, oh, someone's like, oh, Corey Graves' brother, he hates it. So, yeah, definitely say that to him when you see him. Um, and they're all making jokes about, like, man, you need to, like, come to the ring with branches or you need to, like... <laughs> Like where's like a flano and like a, leaves, like a yeah like a lumber like he's like just anything dude and I'm like what do you want me to do mate you want me to go like break off a sakura branch and he's like yeah I'm like it's clearly a rib but uh, <laughs> the next time I come back I think like I've got a few ideas for like outfits and bits and pieces so like maybe I'll come back in like a flano and be like a William Regal esque looking <laughs> lumberjack man. he is indeed <laughs> um, we're gonna. Uh, go to the second half of the show. I'm just going to go through because yep. we're already. Tony's already officially going to kill us. <laughs> See, I told you this is what happens. You let me talk, and, and it just. Gets well, he's not here, so bad luck. Yeah, yeah. miss okay. you, Tony. We'll, we'll um we'll keep Slade with us, and we'll just go through. We'll, we've got much to talk about anyway. Uh, Ray White, new gimmick. Yeah, so you messaged me, so I went and found the the new promo. Uh, I got high hopes for it. Actually, I if. Eventually, the slow build is to be a creepy character, I'm assuming. Well, children's TV host and Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Creepy will be good. Yeah, I think it, it'll it be good for him. And he's in really good shape at the minute, so hopefully looking after himself and translate to uh, getting a bit more TV yeah, time. I mean, I always think just give it time, see what, see what the story is, because a lot of people jumping to conclusions online that they've killed Bray Wyatt. I mean, truth be known, is probably Bray Wyatt's idea. He's a very creative person. Yeah. I like it. I watched it, and I like the angle. Like, things don't have to be straightforward. You don't have to give the audience everything in the first go. And there was darkness to it. He's given them enough to, to pique interest. I think I saw something on Reddit saying it's like 800,000 views on YouTube as of right now. So, like, the WWE will be eating it up. All of a sudden, they've sparked interest in a product with a 30-second promo. Um, little little nods to little things, like if you notice he's wearing the fingerless gloves and the colours he's wearing are um, Freddy Krueger colours, little things like that. Um, so um, the, the, the little puppet's called Abby the Witch, which is a throwback to... Abigail. So yeah. I think that um, if anyone's going to make this work, it's Bray. 100%. Yeah. Definitely give it time. AEW's announced Cody's opponent for double or nothing, and it's his brother. Yeah. So Thoughts? I think it's interesting. Um, obviously, you know, the way they put the video package together, they got over an Aldous match. That. No, no. Uh, he's getting rave reviews for that promo that he cut. Oh, I haven't watched it. But uh, I'll get to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. I, I think leading up to it, they'll do good things. You know, he's 49, 50 years old. Oh, look, it's not, it's not going to be an injury injuries. classic, but they'll tell a story. Dustin, Dustin's an underrated worker. I completely agree. Um, he's very smooth in the ring. Um, I think sometimes the guys who are super smooth in the ring get underrated because uh, it looks like they're not working hard. Because everything becomes so natural to them. I mean, Randy at his peak. I mean, now Randy's probably a little bit lazier, but when he's at his peak, he still got that same criticism because yeah. everything is so smooth. Yeah, um, Alberto Del Rio was another one that got 
lumped into that category because everything just looks too easy. But the fact is that Alberto Del Rio was six foot five and he was doing jumping enziguris to the top rope type stuff from standing, you know. And yeah, Randy Orton's a great example. And as far as Gold Dust is concerned, or Dustin Rhodes, uh, amazing, amazing professional wrestler. For a guy to be doing it at that level for as long as he's done it, and not to mention he's been back and forth out of the WWE like two or three times. Like they keep bringing him back for a reason, and you he's know. Not slow, yeah, for his size. No, um, yeah, because he's not. He's always carried a little bit of weight. Um, but he's not like his his hands are very fast, and um, I think it's exciting because it's a match that the Fed missed the boat on. They never got the chance to do Cody versus Dustin, you know, son versus son, you know. Um, and you're right, maybe it won't be, you know, on the level of uh, independent match that we would expect nowadays, but two guys, fantastic workers, they'll tell a fantastic story. Yeah, But I on that like, card, you're going to have all those indie this yeah, is terrific true. matches, if that's what you want to call them. So as long, I think the story can be told well. I kind of would have liked them to hold back on this match wait till they've got weekly programming and really put a story to it. <clears throat> have, like, even have Dustin debut at the show coming in and just, you know, why does everyone love Cody? I'm the one who, like, you know, have a story there. Yeah. But, look, then it's not going to be it's not going to be a bad match and I do think that Cody is really good at making himself the centre of a story, like telling a story with himself at the centre of it. So I think... They're not going to leave anything on the on the table on the floor. Just quickly with that one, am I right to say that AEW announced the match and Dustin prior to news of Dustin saying that he requested his release? Yeah. So they actually preempted the I, WWE. I think he's contracted. He's right con- out. He con- his contract ran out only a few days ago. Yeah. So. Right. So but there'd be, but there'd be nothing from the WWE no. saying the contract. See, that is the, that from in recent memory is the first time anyone's got the leg up on the Fed in that way, that they've been able to be the first ones to come out and go, hey, this is what's going but on. WWE would have known that's going to come. So have they – was it an oversight or they just let it happen? I don't uh, – nothing's an oversight in the WWE. So like that, Yeah, that stuff doesn't happen accidentally. But They it, do like Dustin. Yeah. yeah so it might be goodwill. You know, obviously, you know, we don't know how – he's just had two knee operations at yeah, the same true. time. Yeah, So he might not be in a physical way where, you know, maybe he doesn't have another – 18-month run. Maybe he's only got three to four, maybe six maybe months. Maybe he's got one match. Yeah. yeah. So, it could, he... have, could have been a matter of, hey, we're not going to use you in a wrestling role anymore. We're going to use you this way. Maybe you didn't want to do that. Yeah, any number yeah. of and um, if he, options. And if he tells um, some people backstage, higher-ups, like, I'm going to retire after this. I want to wrestle my brother. Obviously, we can't do it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and yeah, he's been a great servant. For, oh, has it been two decades? Or you, More. We used to brood wrestling Razor Ramon when Razor Ramon was... At the top of the yeah. card, like yeah, so no, for, for just for WWE, he's probably been twenty five years. Yeah, him and Piper at what WrestleMania was it seven? I can't. You know the one, the infamous like let's use the OJ Simpson chase footage in the match. Um, oh, that was in um, WCW, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So yeah, so yeah, he's he's been there for absolute donkeys. And uh, CM Punk made the news. 
Yeah, he did. And not for getting sued by his friend. Well, supposedly CM Punk. I think it was – I'm comfortable enough to say that was CM Punk. I I laughed about it because, like, everybody starts going into the minutiae and they're like, did you see how he got out of the ring? I went and watched Raw 19 (laughs) – like, say that's how he got out of the ring and his magic against Rey Mysterio on Raw in March. I was like, oh, man, like – Yeah, you don't have to think about it I'm more like (laughs) – it was his friend's promotion and he was wearing the same hoodie that he was wearing at the meet and greet earlier in the day. That's – there's there's a there's a there's few more evidence. logical threads. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was uh, a run in to help his friend Ace Steel previously. Uh, and he's always Steel Domain, correct? And yeah. he's always said that if I ever return to wrestling, it'll be under a hood for uh, for a mate with yeah. no promotion, and that'll be it. I'm I'm just the optimistic side is if he's doing that, he's just having fun. It's got nothing to do mm. with money. He's just doing that because he wanted to have fun, and if he's getting fun out of you know, a 15, 20-second spot of wrestling, he's in a good place. So yeah, 100%. Good luck to him. And, you know, people are conspiracy theories. It might not have been his first time. So there's some threads out there that, <laughs> you know, people are going back to everyone that's on independent level under a Man, you know what? I'm going to watch the video again. I'm going to go buy that mask, that hoodie, and those pants, <laughs> and you watch me promote myself <laughs> You're a foot as, as Nazi and punk. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wrestling 2. Run out, go to sleep. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced the best of the Super Juniors tournament participants and Robbie Eagles is in the tournament, which is amazing news. Yeah, we've all uh, been holding out hope for probably a year that you'd get announced. So (laughs) another feather in the cap for Robbie and Australian Wrestling. And it's a cracking cracking tournament. That's probably going to be must-see for everybody. Yeah, I think um, for a long time through the 90s, Best of the Super Juniors has been considered the top cruiserweight tournament. Uh, even though Fed did their thing and tried to make the cruiserweight classic, like Best of the Super Juniors has been going on that long, that many names. Um, so for him, for Robbie to be a part is fantastic. For Robbie himself and for Australian wrestling. And I love seeing Taka Mishinoku in it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Still going. Um we put something up online during the week and it got a fair bit of traction and that was uh, what wrestling terms do you use in your regular life that just come out? Um, and I know that most of the responses online were saying that they use gimmick a lot. Yeah, I've found myself job gimmick. Uh, what, what do you guys use? In your everyday life around non-wrestling people. I use gimmick all the time. Yeah. Gimmick is interchangeable for almost any word. Yeah. Like if, if I'm in the car and I want someone to get me a drink in the server, I'm like, can you get me a gimmick from the gimmick? And, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll have milk. Yeah, they'll <laughs> have a it, it could be anything, right? Come That's back not the gimmick it. I like. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wrong gimmick. Um, and That's then, his gimmick. <laughs> and then you said it before, like right at the beginning, like you said like his shoot job. Uh, and sometimes I'll say like I'll sometimes I'll say shoot something, and then obviously I realise most people don't understand what I'm, I'm saying in that regard. Um, I think those are the those are the main ones. Uh, I also like to say life is a work, um, which is very. Accurate. It's a big worker. Workers love that one. <laughs> uh, fans fans less so. Fans think that we know, but we don't know. Life is a work's a big worker term. Uh, everything's a work. Everything's uh, a work. But for me, I I use. Um, Heel, that's a heel move all the time. So if anyone says that they're doing something that I don't like, I'm like, nah, heel move. <laughs> Mum doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lyle? 
No, g- gimmick is the big one, and obviously, I didn't realise that I you sh- shoot earlier, so subconsciously maybe, maybe I got to watch out for what I'm actually saying. So yeah, it's I don't know. It just it comes up, you know, reading books and dirt sheets, and obviously doing this. We hear the words, you know, as you know, wrestling fans. I'm not sure how does a wrestler feel wrestling fans using it. Oh, that's know, maybe interesting. Maybe ten years ago, it could have would have been. I use kayfabe a bit too. Yeah, so look. Ten years ago, maybe, you know, fans like, oh, you're not a worker. Why are you using that word? You're a dickhead. Mm. You know, you're a mark or whatever, whatever you call it. Now, I don't know. I feel, I don't know. From my perception, it's, it's all in the open. But the workers look down on. <sighs> Doesn't phase me personally. Um, you're right. It's all out in the open. Like yeah. it's been written in enough books and online enough that like any attempt for us to try and. Uh, keep it a secret is, is no point whatsoever um, the, those are like the really common ones but there's a ton of stuff um, especially in the English wrestling language that like we could say to each other in, your, in front of you and you have no idea we're talking about a match um, and I don't get to do it much with anyone here I do it with, a little bit with Sid Parker because he wrestled and trained over there and now that uh, DCT's here um, I get to have that kind of banter with him Um so as an example, he's legit, super good. Oh, DCT, so good, man. DCT, such a funny one. Like this, uh, I want to relay this story. Um, so he got here. He, a friend of mine from Scotland, Mark Coffey, currently with NXT UK. Him and I worked together and done a tryout together in England. And he told me, "Hey, my mate's coming over to Australia. Um, maybe you can help him out with some work." I'm like, "Yeah, cool. Send him my details." We met up for a coffee. Um, DCT and I hit it off from from Dot and then I put him out to various companies and then he started working the circuit but he still wasn't at MCW yet well yeah there's a funny story Are you, you know the story <laughs> has the story been told already or uh, no but you I can tell it because it's about it's about Ree who guest hosted this show no. last week <laughs> I wasn't going to put anyone I wasn't going to mention any names or put anyone in the bucket but you've done it so, um, so yeah, Kafers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, DCT as as any good professional wrestler should sent the, sent various companies uh, an email saying, "This is who I am. Here's my here's my information." Da 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 da, da. and he received a rather curt reply uh, to which it was he a standard reply. Yeah, well, I, I don't it was know the standard reply that because you can imagine how many messages MCW's this account gets from people who've. Worked a match somewhere. Mm. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe due diligence wasn't taken in regards to reading his message or the information he supplied. Um, and so that's why he was getting used everywhere. And then... Uh, he was directed to the um, MCW Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and more- Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been set to automatic response. Uh, you know what? This is it. Could have it been. Could, yeah, it potentially was. Yeah, um, it was. Definitely, definitely was the standard reply. Yeah. So, it, so at any rate, you've just told the ICW World Champion, former ICW World Champion, to come to your school. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that happened. I heard about it, and it was a good giggle. But then uh, we were at another show uh, that Dave was working, and there was a guy there who works with MCW, and he's and he's like, "Why is DCT on Everywhere. every other show but ours?" And then, then when Mikey he, found out, he was in the country and said, 
what? Yeah. Uh, and then Mikey then smoothed things over from what I understand. They then spoke to each other and he po- apologised profusely for the, for what had occurred. And, and uh, Re was too shy to talk to him the first show he was at MCW, but they're, they're all good now because DCT is an amazing person. He, not only is he a great dude, but like again, a wealth of knowledge. A guy has been taught by guys who know. He's worked more matches than guys have had hot dinners here. Um, so, yeah, and I've got him one-on-one at Showdown. I can't wait to beat the rubbish out of him. And just uh, while we've got the champion here, Underworld tickets are on sale um, for the next show. So get onto their Facebook page and pay to go see Slade get his belt back. 100% Underworld Season 2 about to begin. We've just closed off Season 1. Um, all available now on Amazon Prime. Uh, the, in fact, the fifth episode, the last episode of season one, actually second to last episode of season one, just went online as well on YouTube for free, so you can go and check that out. Definitely check it out. Yeah, course. definitely, yeah. Get along, Underworld, support your local wrestling, support the mercenary. Um, upcoming shows this weekend, BCW have got Lucha Down Underground Tour featuring PJ Black, Chavo Guerrero, Ken Shamrock, many more. Friday the 26th in Melbourne, Adelaide Saturday the 27th, and Sydney on Sunday the 28th. On Saturday, April 27, PCW have got one of their big monthly shows, Chaos at Ferntree Gully. The champion, Lucas Daniels, must defend or he's going to get stripped of the title, something that he's held for 400 and something days. So. Yep. Big story out there. They actually got me with their April Fool's post. I don't know if you saw they put an April Fool's post oh, up. Did you? did you? They got me. And then I, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. credit to PCW for a good April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MCW Fallout's happening at uh, Thornbury Theatre. Absolutely stacked card. And uh, Millie McKenzie will be on that show. Uh, she's going to be here for a, a few MCW shows. So, try and see her as often as you can, I think. Um, Riot City. Wrestling's on. They've got Zach Sabbath and Matt Hayter for the title. Wrestling Go in Sydney have Go Olympic Games 3. Tickets are only 10 bucks. That's a steal. Are you working this weekend? No, no working this weekend for me. Um, I haven't had any matches since I've come back from Japan, but the first one I'll have first weekend of May. Um, I've got Warzone, but I've also got Lucha Fantastica. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, those gigs are always an absolute And that's the Cinco de Mayo show, isn't it? I believe, yeah, Cinco de Mayo. So yeah. they celebrate the 5th of May, but we're doing it, I think, on the on the 4th maybe. Yeah, uh, that's all right. You've got to do it that weekend. Yeah. Um, um, and they're so, yeah. fun shows, aren't they? Oh, man, they're a blast. They're nothing like your traditional independent wrestling. Like everyone's under masks and and the crowd's drunk as anything. And, uh, you got a different gimmick at that? Completely different gimmick. Yeah, you're going to come out as big tree thick? (laughs) No, uh, my name is uh, Assassino, a.k.a. Assassin. It doesn't sound anything like a mercenary, not even even close. You should, uh, and instead of a, a helmet, you wear a mask. Yeah, I wear, uh, you should, I don't don't want to ruin the the aesthetic of the mask, but it it looks like a gimp mask. (laughs) (laughs) And some people say that. And so if you want to see me in a gimp mask, get on down. People would pay good money for that, I'm sure. This yeah. is it. I don't see why not. And there's a Chupacabra. And, oh, actually, the big match they're promoting is uh, it's Jesus versus Judas, you know, a match that's been over 2,000 years in the making. I'm always on the heels. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got an idea for a podcast, contact my podcast house or us at On The Turnbuckle. Uh, we can help get you a show on the air. Um, it'll probably be better than ours. And tune in next week where we're joined by Nick Golfus from Wrestling Rampage. 
That should be a fun one. It should be. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Slade, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. And apologies to Tony for going a little bit long. No, when you've got big tree thick in the studio, <laughs> mate, you go long, don't mate, you? Mate, know thick, that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Turnbuckle on my podcast house or wherever you're listening to us.